Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello. God, my voice. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Hi, Tiffany. Hey, have you got have you got a little bit of a cold going on there? I do. Is it that obvious? Only to those of us who know your voice so well. It's not terrible yet. It's just starting to set in. It's in the very early stages. I'm hoping that this is the extent of it, actually. Yeah, let's hope it, it doesn't it doesn't get worse than this. Yeah, I mean right now it's not even that bad. I feel like a little tired. I feel a little bit congested. But that's it. Mm. So let's hope it stays I mean, that that's way. That's like the perfect cold, really. Yeah. <laughs> and Add to that, I also had oral dental surgery this morning. Ouch. So, Ooh, sounds painful. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. You know what was fun about it? The Novocaine, the gas they gave you? No. In fact, I knew I was going to have to do some work today, and I knew that I was probably going to talk to you, so I asked them if we could do it without any kind of pain-blocking injections so that my face wouldn't be numb. And that was what was fun about it? No. Although I did do a fantastic <laughs> job just tolerating it. But that's not what was great about it. What was great about it was the dental assistant was a lot of fun. And (laughs) (laughs) there was two procedures that they did um, on my mouth. And between them, they took a break. And the dentist had to go check on somebody else. So he goes and he leaves. And her and I just sat around and talked for about 15 minutes while we were waiting for him to come back. And after all of that, she's walking me out. I said, well, you know, you can reach out to me anytime. I don't know why I said it either. It was one of those bold things like it almost like I asking her on a date or something she looked over at me and she goes want to get a beer sometime I'm like yes <laughs> <laughs> so I had dental surgery and picked up a potentially new friend there you go you made a new friend awesome all is well I have a new friend too do you oh you yes, said that in I such an a... alluring way is this <laughs> I have a well, new friend no, too his name it's is just I <laughs> no it's it's a her but um okay. She comes with a little appendage, which is her little one-year-old son. And yeah. um, being a new mother, you know, your your social life automatically suffers. <laughs> I met um, this family who live just down the street from us. And they have, like I said, they have a little boy, Aurelio's age. And so we've been hanging out every so often after work. So it's quite nice. And the kids play and we can chat and she's nice. That's great. Yeah, that's great. See, you're new to the neighborhood and you're already making friends. Yeah. See, it's being a Leo. What can I say? Well, what does it mean if I'm a Pisces? (laughs) Nothing. Maybe it's just being social animals. I think it means that you like people one day and the next day you don't like them. No, No, that's not true though. I know. They say Pisces are moody. I don't know anything about these signs. You're not moody. No. Well, I don't know. <laughs> no, I've, I've never known you to be moody, Katie Soul. No, I, I'm, I tend toward sadness, though, and darkness, which I think is a Pisces. Well, I don't know. That's a human trait. <laughs> <laughs> Screw it. I, I don't know what to make of his horoscopes and all that stuff. But uh, maybe it's an expat or former expat trait. Maybe that's what it is, what, where you just like reach out and make friends at random. Maybe. Harkening back to those first weeks when you first get in a new country and you're just anybody who seems somewhat like you you're like oh my god you're like do you want to hang out with me yeah (laughs) will you be my friend you You have a pulse you You sound like you might be from america (laughs) do you want to hang out (laughs) oh my gosh i don't know anybody (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i can't speak the language 
Except, except you had me. You were never there. You were never alone. I mean, you were alone, but you were never 100% alone because I was just a phone call away and you were living with your husband. <laughs> okay. I know. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let us all keep that in mind when people put the bold label on me because I, I, I moved basically to a country where I already had a really good established friend. <laughs> so that's about as like unrisk taking as it possibly could be. No, you're you're still bold. It's it's always difficult to move abroad. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm bold in the sense that I quit my job. I guess that's it. But anyway, like on to our topic, which I love and you sent to me via voice memo. <laughs> How did this come this about? This came about because I was getting off the metro one morning and I heard a song and it gave me an idea for a podcast topic. And I didn't want to forget because I've been very absent-minded lately. So I just shot you off that message as I was walking from the metro to my office. Yes. And so I told Tiffany, even though she didn't want to do it this way, that I wanted to play the message because uh, I love it. So let's take a listen. Hey honey, so I'm just walking to work right now and I had an idea for a podcast and I figured might as well tell you about it right now before I forget because that's something I would do. I don't know how long these messages could be so I'm going to send this and then I'll send you another one. <laughs> okay, so here's the idea. So I was in the Metro night. This song came on called New York and uh, I don't know if you know it, but one of the lines is just nothing you can't do, right? And so I was thinking about this and I was like, gosh, that's such an American concept there's nothing you can't do and it's such a not not an italian concept and i was thinking that how does it affect you as an expat when you live in a country where the like the tenants the basis of your sort of national identity and what you were taught as a kid and growing up is not it's not believed in the culture that you live in i don't know if that makes sense you were always taught that you could do anything, as so many of us Americans were, and then you go and live in a country where the opposite is true, where people feel like they can't do anything. How do you hold on to the values that you want to hold on to when you live in a country that doesn't have those same values? I love that recording because you can hear all the buses and traffic and stuff. I missed Rome. It was like a little temporary trip back to Rome for me mentally. <laughs> it's just, so that just proves how much of an audio person you are, that that's the first thing that you thought of when you heard the the message what are you though i mean because i feel like audio for me is one of the most transportive things maybe smell no i love audio as well but it's just it's it's just so clear that it's your passion because that's what you always gravitate towards when you talk about uh, radio or recording you're always picking up these little details that a lot of people probably miss when you walk around in the world how much would you say you're paying attention to what you're hearing? I pay quite a bit of attention, probably not as much as you, but I really love the things that I hear. I love, this is going to sound totally cheesy, but I love hearing birds chirp. Yeah. Uh, I love hearing church bells tolling. And I don't even mind the ambulances. No, I don't think that's strange at all. Who doesn't want to hear birds chirp? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of person? <laughs> Be like, hear the birds in the morning and be like, those stupid birds. <laughs> Waking me up. <laughs> Waking me up. I did have a bird, actually, this past year. It has since moved along. But it did, every 
every morning in the summer sit right outside my window it sounded like it was on the it probably was (laughs) and it would just go off for 25 minutes at four in the morning oh that's too early that's too early (laughs) yeah that was the only bird i think i've ever been like really you can't (laughs) you can't move slightly farther away (laughs) four in the morning but anyway back to your topic so you're talking about the song empire state of mind which is by if you say so Yes, and the lyrics you're referring to, which I'm reading here off of a screen, so it won't be half as sexy as if you go and listen to the song. But it's in New York, concrete jungle where dreams are made of. There's nothing you can't do. Now you're in New York. These streets will make you feel brand new. These big lights will inspire you. Let's hear it for New York. If that's exactly the song. Mm-hmm. It is that concept of there's nothing you can't do in New York, or as you point out, that kind of bigger concept of there's nothing that you can't do if you're in the United States, that we're, what we're led to believe. And I think that's what people who immigrate here are often looking for also, that lure or reality of opportunity, that if you work hard, you can get somewhere if you are in the United yeah, States. Yeah, and even simpler than that, just just that anything is possible. I mean, yes, of course, you have to work hard. And obviously, it helps if you have a certain amount of opportunity and education and all of that. It's not easy for people who are born in difficult situations, of course. But whether or not you actually go out and achieve your dreams, I think there's just this sort of belief, this core belief that Americans have that anything is possible. And you might say, "Mm, I might not, you know, have any major dreams of my own, but I think that it's possible to achieve dreams. It's not universal, that feeling. It's so common for Americans to believe that and to be raised with that, that we think, I think, that it's universal. But it's it's really not. And I see very, very often in it, in Italy how people do not believe that at all. They don't believe that anything is no, possible. No, no, no. Not at all. Or even that what? They would have a job that's... Rewarding. Yeah, even having having a job that you enjoy is not necessarily going to happen. People are very big on settling here in all the senses of the word. They want to get settled into a steady job that they will not lose and that they will be able to not have to worry about employment from there on out and settle also in, a ter- in the sense that they're settling for something that might not be what they would really like to do with their lives, but they're, they're going to settle for it because that maybe what they dream of or what they studied for in university is just not going to happen, according to them. But are they like that in love, in friendship, in other aspects? I don't know. I really can't. I would assume not. I mean, they have a reputation for being passionate, don't yeah. they? <laughs> yeah, they do. In they general. do. <laughs> right? Um, I'm not going to say that they're not passionate people. I think it's more of a specific issue that to do with work and to do with um, employment, not necessarily something that covers other aspects of life. But I'm often shocked at the way that people just assume that things can't be done. Don't even try that you couldn't possibly get a job that would be interesting. I mean, I don't think that they're going to say you couldn't possibly get a job because surely some people have jobs that are interesting. Um, I would hope so. But, okay, here's an example. A few months ago, I was at work chatting with one of my colleagues and 
we were talking about some of the negative aspects of of living in Italy, particularly for very young people, for you know kids in school and school education system is quite flawed and uh, and you know there's not a lot of opportunities for young people. This is one of the reasons that you know Claudio and I are probably going to leave Italy eventually, you know, probably before Aurelio is in middle school, at the very least before he's in high school. And she kind of just looked at me with skepticism. You know, what in the world are you going to do? Where are you going to go? You can't just move to another country and start over at 40 years old or, you know, who knows, maybe 50 years old at this point if we wait until he's high school age. And I thought, well, you know, yes, you can. And she's, no, you can't. What are you going to do? If you, how are you going to find a job? Nobody's going to hire you at that age. And, you know, she's so full of reasons why not. And I'm not saying that her reasons were totally wrong, because surely it is difficult once you reach a certain age. But I feel like Italians just like, they, they look for reasons why you can't do something. Whereas Americans, they look for reasons why you can do something. I don't right. know if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. It's so interesting, though, because it's playing on the question of fear, mm -hmm. isn't it? If you have a lifetime contract, which is something people can be awarded in Italy, which you never could be awarded here in the United yeah, States. Yeah, well, it's not even a, a really being awarded. It's not like something like tenure where you get awarded tenure. <laughs> right. You get lifetime right. contracts are it's changing now because they've changed some laws but it used to be until very recently that that was kind of the default contract. If you, you know, if you got a job with a contract, it was a lifetime contract. Either you got a specific type of contract that was sort of, let's say, it's hard to translate, but a project contract, meaning, okay, I'm going to hire you for this project, which is going to probably take six months or it's going to take a year, but it's a project contract. So um, it's not anything that is steady or secure, but generally when you hire someone, you have to offer them this sort of, uh, long-term employment contract. And as I said, things are changing now, but up until just a few years ago, this is how it was. So it's not even that rare. It's quite common actually. I mean, that's what everybody is looking for. You know, everybody wants that type of job and because it's, a huge risk for the employer to give this kind of job because then you could end up with someone who doesn't want to work and they can't get rid of them or it's very difficult to get rid of them. The employers clearly don't want to offer this type of contract. They want to offer it as little as they can. And so it's something that everybody wants because then they know they're, they're safe and they're settled and they can just kind of sit back on their haunches and and relax and in some cases not do any work or do as little as possible yeah in many cases, in many cases i don't want to say in every case because there are definitely a lot of hard-working italians out there but a lot of people they want to get that contract once they've got that contract they do the bare minimum and you see it a lot and there isn't the sort of sense of I want to work hard, not just because you know i owe it to my employer because he pays me but because I want to do my best, quite frankly, you know, this sort of idea that if you work in a focused manner and you try to do your best, you're going to enjoy your day more. Well, it's like any job. If there's nothing rewarding about it, like I'm thinking back to all the temp work I used to do in the United States where you get hired on these temporary contracts and you're usually the lowest of the low in whatever corporation 
and I was spending my days in a warehouse, or I was spending my days photocopying stuff for the government, or moving furniture around for a department store. The worst jobs that you can imagine, so boring. Those jobs were good in the sense that it made me think, okay, I have got to get my stuff together because I do not want to end up doing this for the rest of my life. But it's just so hard for me to imagine like working every single day and having absolutely nothing challenging or rewarding about you. Yeah, it's got to be a misery. I mean, I've been there too in the past. But I guess the alternative, I'm just trying to put myself into the mind of someone who thinks this way. I guess the alternative is no idea if you're going to get the paycheck at the end of the month. I mean, no idea if you're going to be able to buy food or pay your rent. If that's the alternative, then it seems like a really good thing. A lot of people have jobs doing what they want to do, but unfortunately people get taken advantage of a lot here, you know? So let's say you want to be a writer, for example, like I actually am really, really lucky. I count myself very lucky because my employers are very honest. You know, I don't have a like super amazing salary, <laughs> but I have a good contract and I have a fair salary for the country that I live in and I have good benefits and, and this kind of thing. Whereas a lot of people who do jobs that are, let's say, desirable, like something somebody would want to do, like write or, you know, maybe acting or a chef or, you know, something that somebody would aspire to do, they get taken advantage of because they think, okay, this person wants this job. These jobs are hard to come by. So, um, so I'm going to pay them as little as possible. There are architects out there who make as little as four to 500 euros a month. Okay. Mm. Just let that sink in a month. Yeah. Okay. When, when rent in this country is easily, easily, at least in this city, a thousand to twelve hundred a month for a one bedroom apartment. So, you know, how do you survive on four to five hundred euros a month? You, you don't. So yeah. maybe that's why. I mean, I met a woman this summer. I asked her what she does, and she was in her mid thirties, very vivacious, interesting, intelligent woman. And she said, Oh, in theory, I'm a biologist. And I was like, Okay, um, what are you in reality? And she said, in reality, I'm a secretary. And I kind of had to check myself because I kind of let this kind of come across with sort of sympathy, like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, you know. I mean, I'd say that, but that was kind of my first reaction. You clearly have a degree in biology. How disappointing that you're a secretary. And I thought, well, maybe it's something temporary. And it turns out she explained the situation and she said, when I graduated, I couldn't find work as a biologist or I found work and they wouldn't pay me. I can't remember the exact details of the story. And so I finally found a job as a secretary and um, it's a stable job. And so that's what I'm going to do. And it was very clear that she intended to do that for the rest of her life. Goodbye to any dream of being a biologist. And I'm not saying that you have to do what you study because lots of people change, you know, like myself, I studied classical singing and I'm a writer, but regardless, it didn't happen overnight. It's not like I stopped singing and immediately the next day I got a job as a writer. Clearly there was a middle space in there in which I was struggling and doing other things that I didn't necessarily want to do, but there was always a goal eventually to do something that I loved. It's not that I wouldn't take any job. If I needed to pay my rent, I would go back to temp work. I considered going back to temp work, actually, when we first got back to Seattle from Rome and I didn't have any income and I needed I needed to figure it out. 
But maybe the difference is, is that even if I got some sort of awesome temp job that was super boring, but steady, I would still be thinking, well, what's my game plan here? How do I find something that's not quite as boring so that it's not eight hours of watching paint dry? If you I know do I mean. know what you mean, but I think there's a huge difference between getting a temp job that's boring, but you know, money that you can count on, but yet, you know, it's a temp job. So like in the back of your head, you're like, I can leave this job tomorrow and I'm not going to damage myself professionally because it's a temp job. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'm using like temp work as the example that I gave earlier work that has nothing to do with any of your interests. That's incredibly boring. Lowest rung in the ladder. Every day is just photocopying and answering the phone, which I know some people love <laughs> and, or can put up with, and I can't. So I, I guess using myself as an example, I would just say maybe I'm just asking is the difference that as an American, I would think there's got to be something else. I'd keep looking while I was Yeah, working. I think that's a big difference. And I do think there's way more work to be had in America. And I don't know why. <laughs> well, because we don't have lifetime contracts. Hey, that's <laughs> a really good point. There's always people that's vacating jobs. Tell that to an Italian economist. Part <laughs> of it is that. Part of it is, I think, just, you know, there are more people opening businesses in the United States because it's easy to open a business in the United States and it's very difficult to do it in Italy. There's less people employing people for new projects and things. Italians are generally less entrepreneurial. There are entrepreneurs here. There are some really, really brilliant people out there, but they're the minority. That's part of it. They just, there's very little work out there. The jobs are hard, you know, steady jobs for people who actually pay you. I know it sounds crazy to an American, but a lot of people just don't pay people. Like you'll get a job and you know, you'll wait and you'll wait and you'll wait. Months will go by and you won't get paid until finally you'll, you'll be like, okay, that's it. I'm quitting because these people aren't paying me. It happens. I know the husband of a, an acquaintance of mine got a job as a, as a chef at a restaurant. I think a sous chef. I'm not sure. They just stopped paying him. His wife was meanwhile pregnant and it's like six months go by and they're like, okay, yeah, we just don't have the money. We just don't have the money. We'll pay you eventually. And they just never paid him. I mean, can you imagine that happening in the States? Yes, only because it happened to me once, but I was a freelancer. <laughs> you were a freelancer. This guy was employed. You know, he was... Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine going to a job every day and never getting a paycheck. I did have a friend once who worked at a shop that sold leather jackets. And one day he showed up for work and the store just wasn't there. Oh my anymore. God. Like the building was still there, but the door was locked and the room was Oh my empty. God. How many you know months had was he owed? I don't know. I'm probably at most a month would be my guess. All right, well. Yeah. Yeah, because usually Americans get paid every two yeah. weeks. This was one of those conversations where I think I'm going to listen back to it and disagree with every single thing I say. <laughs> so I feel like, but you know, I <laughs> we have to give us some latitude yeah, here. Definitely, because there's no, you know, these are all just sort of stereotypes. I mean, stereotypes are out there for a reason is because a lot of times they're true, but they're not always true. So of course, difficult to talk with these broad strokes, but, um, I don't think we've gotten to your central question though, which was how do you maintain the value, like a value that you were raised with if you're living in a country that doesn't have that as a central. Yeah, value. that's true. We have it. We've, we've been focusing on work because it's such a big issue just in and of itself, the difference in the work ethic 
of an American and, a, and an Italian and then the whole idea of our dreams, you know, can you go after your dreams or not? So yes, the central theme, I don't know, it's hard. It's really hard. I find myself getting sucked into the Italian mentality very often and I have to really watch myself. Why is being sucked in wrong or bad? Well, it isn't necessarily wrong or bad. I think in this case, I'm a dreamer. I've always been a dreamer. I've always believed in going after what you want and that anything is possible. So, um, I mean, hey, I'm an American. What, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> There's, nothing There's nothing you can't, you can't do. do, you know? And so in for that reason, I, I don't want to get sucked into the Italian pessimism of, well, I'll never be able to do anything. I'm not from a wealthy family or I'm not, I don't have a father who knows people who can get full strings for me. So I'll never be able to do that. So I'll just get a job at the post office if I'm lucky, if I'm really, really lucky, that's considered like a good job, you know, um, or I'll just get a job doing this or that and I'll just get by. I don't agree with that. And I don't want to get sucked into that type of mentality. I was thinking that just the other day, that I think one of the hardest things for me about coming back and not living in Italy anymore is how quickly that American work ethic, you have to be somebody, always be striving for more, came mm. back. And I was telling Derek that there seemed to be something that was more mentally healthy about the Italian way of life of, if you get one thing done in a day, that's good. <laughs> And we really started to embrace that by the end of the year. We got one thing done this morning. I wrote for a couple hours. Now I'm going to go have a cappuccino. That mentality. <laughs> and, and I'm going to enjoy the day. Here I have a full-time job, but I'm also trying to write more. I'm doing this podcast. I'm consulting with other people about other podcasts. I'm doing so many things that I can put in a great day's work which I do every day at my real job, quote unquote, and still come home at night and think I am so far behind. Absolutely. It's not enough that I work so hard all day long. It's that I still haven't, I haven't written. I haven't, I haven't gotten any exercise. You know, I haven't answered those emails. I haven't finished editing this program. There's always something that makes me feel like I'm behind. And there's got to be some sort of balance between it's, that. It's true. Because yeah. it's not healthy to think there's no nothing you can strive for. And it's not healthy to think that you can strive to be anything and that you have to work your butt off and miss kind of what it is to live life in the means. It's absolutely spot on. And I'm searching always for that middle ground too. And if, you know, it's funny that you say, you know, how you felt such a difference coming back. I worry about myself because... I already feel kind of the way that you said you feel in the States. Like, oh my God, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. I got to, got to do that. I don't even want to think about how much pressure I would be under if I was in the States. <laughs> but it's self-imposed pressure. Yeah, I think for me, that is something that I have retained from my American self. But it's recent. It's only in the past maybe five years my first five years here, I was very much like just hang out, have a good time, work for a couple of hours a day. And I was lucky that doing tours, I you know, only had to spend three hours working in a day, three intense hours, but you know, about three hours, three, four hours. So I was really sucked into that very, very, very much. And you can look at that in a, as a good thing or as a bad thing, depending on your personality and your values. But, um, 
I mean, I'm kind of glad that I had a period in my life like that, but I think it went on too long. And I think I could have gotten, I hate to say this, I'm going to show my Americanism. I think I could have gotten more done. (laughs) I could have gotten a lot more done if I hadn't sort of just been like, okay, I did a tour today. Now I think I'm going to go hang out and just do nothing for the rest of the day. I just came up with it. Okay, let's hear it. (laughs) Me and Italians, in the way that you're categorizing Italians, are all searching for a certain degree of permission to enjoy life and to be a little bit lazy. And so what happens to me as a person with all these self-imposed things is that sometimes with those self-imposed things, you put them off. You just keep putting them off and putting them off. And then they hang around you like ghosts. You're going out with your friends. You're doing all this stuff all the while in the background. You're like, oh, yeah, I got to get to that thing. I got to get to that thing, right? Italians perhaps are healthier because they're letting themselves have permission (laughs) to just be lazy from time to time and just sit around and enjoy life, hang out with their friends. I'm not doing anything different, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm doing those things. I I just feel (laughs) bad about it. (laughs) And, And to be fair, I am working a lot harder, but I'm also finding opportunities to be lazy, except I just feel like I'm putting things off when I do it. In fact, I actually now have scheduled in my week where I get rewarded, monetarily rewarded. I give myself a monetary bonus to go out and spend with friends if I take a day wow. and don't feel guilty about it. On Saturday, I purposefully don't work on this show, don't write any articles, all those things. Like purposely take a day to just read. That's and very out. healthy. Good for you. Something you were saying made me think something. You were saying how Italians allow themselves to enjoy life more. Is that something like that? So I don't know, something like that. Who knows? I was in the middle of a rant. I don't know. What yeah, I'm well, about. it just came to my head that, I mean, and everyone's different, but for me, like, I know that what's going to make me enjoy my life more is to be doing what I love as my job. Yeah. And specifically writing, not just writing articles, which is what I do in my day job, but writing books. And if I want to get there and I want to do that, I have to do a certain amount of really, really hard work and some of it unpleasant, like the kind of unpleasant work that comes with looking for a literary agent and querying literary agents, you know, that's not fun. And it's not Oh, I'm going to sit down in chapter one, you know, um, (laughs) or the really grisly work of revising and revising and revising and revising and revising. It takes a lot of boring work late nights and it's not fun. But if you think, okay, I really want to be a published author and that is going to make me happier than going out for coffee this afternoon the 20th coffee of the week. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, I totally think it's right to, to, to give yourself that one day a week break. I think that's brilliant. I think that everyone should do that and I should do that. But I think that the problem comes in when you're like, okay, every afternoon around three o'clock, I'm going to take two hours or I'm not going to get any more work done for the rest of the day. And, and by doing that, you're maybe enjoying it in the moment, but in the long run, you're not working towards a 
not just a goal, not just an arbitrary goal, but you're not working towards something that is going to bring you more joy than just having coffee again. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's and again, but that depends on the person because some people really don't have that drive to do something. You know, they just don't. Not everybody is like us. <laughs> <laughs> Those lucky people. It's important people. to remember that, you know? I do think that, and maybe this is just a woe is me kind of thing, but if you're in the arts, it's very hard to know when you're mm-hmm. succeeding. I mean, you have moments when you think that you know you're succeeding because all of a sudden your book gets published, let's say hypothetically, and it makes you a million dollars. That would be sweet. <laughs> wow, I guess people really liked this book. I guess it was worth mm-hmm. doing. But even with getting a book published, well, now I got a book published and I'm riding high. No, eventually you're going to be like, I need to do something yeah. else. I need to write something else. I need to get on this train while people are interested in Beatrice and her turtle legend and write the next Beatrice book, that sort of thing. There's always this sort of endless stride. Yeah, no, absolutely. And not to mention all those horrible tasks that you're talking about, the promotions, the finding agents, building audience, all the that stuff that we've certainly experimented with in this show that is so tiring and <laughs> frustrating so much of the mm-hmm. time. So yeah. I don't know what I'm saying here. I'm just saying steer away from the arts, people. No, I'm not. <laughs> You're saying uh, everything in moderation. Take a break, but just don't do it every 10 minutes. Right. <laughs> I have this friend who who does a little bit of stand-up just as a hobby. And uh, he lived here in Rome for many, many years. And he did this one little sketch that was so spot on. And he was, you know, kind of, you know, kind of giving Italians a hard time. He said, oh, you know, in Italy, everybody's so tired all the time. People show up for work and they're, oh, I'm so stanco. I'm so stanco. Oh, dear. They get to work. As soon as they get to work, it's time for coffee break. And they go off and they have a coffee. And then they come back from work and they work for about 10 minutes. And then it's time for another coffee break. And then it's lunch, you know. And it is so true. My colleagues show up. They, they show up for work late, okay, usually get to work around 9.15. We're, we're supposed to start around 9. They get to work around 9.15. They chat. Sometimes they chat with me. Sometimes they chat with each other. But they chat for about 10, 15, 20 minutes. And then they go down and they get a coffee. And then they're, like, gone for, like, 30, 40 minutes. And then they come back. And then they chat for a little bit longer. And, like, maybe around 11 o'clock they start working. I wonder if they think that you're a little bit strange for not doing those things. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I mean, the magazine still comes out. Well, right? that's their, so. but that's that's their sort of point of view. Well, I, I mean, I'm getting all my work done, so why should I, you know, you know? And, and I'm sort of like, there's always more work you could be getting done. Like, there's always more, and they're right. like, no, there isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing important. So everything in moderation. Yeah, another hazard of the lifetime contract. Yeah. You guys will literally. Or could literally be working together until you uh, die. Well, not until we die. Until we retire. Until we retire, hopefully. hopefully. <laughs> oh, it's not like lifetime until you die. No, it's lifetime in the sense that, yeah, until you retire. But let me ask you this before we before we close, because we are getting a little bit long. But We're getting a little long, and I still think we haven't addressed well, that's the topic, what I, That's what I'm trying to do. This is what I'm trying to do right now, if you'll let me. Oh, okay, sorry. sorry. So, okay, we've discussed the American value of believing in your dreams, etc. Can you think of any other values that you didn't find 
in Italy that you grew up with that were hard for you? Hmm. I think that there is, and this could just be bad cultural interpretation, but I think, I think in the United States, people are taught to be more polite. Mm-hmm. And that includes smiling if you're in a store, smiling at the person who's behind the counter and them smiling back at you. Or you're walking down the street and you're about to run straight into each other. One person moves to the right, the other person moves to the right, you pass. Oh, isn't that lovely? I love that. Isn't that lovely? And in Italy, it's like, you better step in the gutter because Mm -hmm. I'm not moving. So I do think that there is that sort of polite value. Be nice. Be nice. Help each other out. I love that. Yeah, I love that politeness. Yeah, a lot of Italians, they see that as fakeness and they criticize Americans. They say, oh, you're always smiling and it's fake. You don't actually, um, you're not actually happy to see that person. And I kind of get where they're coming from, but at the same time, I think it's, I mean, the whole point of politeness is to make the other person feel at ease. Maybe I don't want to see you, but if I act like I want to see you because I don't want you to feel uncomfortable aren't aren't I doing a nice thing yeah I mean it's sort of that customer service ethic you don't want somebody to walk into your store and feel like you don't want Mm -hmm. them because then they're not going to come back in the United States that would be what we assume if you have a terrible experience when you go out to dinner you're not going to go back to that place and part of that is being polite in Italy, as we know, sometimes that's not always the case. I mean, that might be a Roman thing, too, because there are other parts of Italy where I thought people were a lot warmer. Oh, my gosh. When we went up to Orvieto, I was so shocked at how friendly people were there. I was like, this is awesome. Oh, my God, I'm going to come up and live here. <laughs> um, I still I still kind of want to go live in Orvieto. When I was in the States, gosh... The last time I was in the States, I didn't even want to think about how long ago it was, over three years ago. Let's not think about that. Was it before you got married? No, no, no. It was 2013. Anyway, the last time I was in the States, I went to a shopping mall, shopping center, and I I think I was in a DKNY outlet. I was floored by how polite those, not just polite, friendly, but like, I mean, I guess... You know, they're taught to do that, and maybe it's fake, but it seemed so sincere. They seemed, like, tr- so happy to just chat, and, oh, my gosh, where are you from? And, oh, wow, that's so cool. And I felt like I was talking to my long-lost friends. <laughs> it was such a pleasant experience, and I just wanted to buy everything in there. <laughs> I did. We bought so much stuff. <laughs> easily manipulated after being gone for so long well yeah, you know, I, look at me tiffany i uh, i picked up my uh, dental assistant this morning yeah so. i remember the first time that i noticed myself getting sucked into the italian sort of not politeness i was at termini station i had probably been living in rome for less than a year maybe six months and i was getting off of a train and i had my little trolley suitcase behind me I was walking down the uh, the platform and I bumped into somebody and it was sort of one of those cases where it's not really your fault and it's not really their fault. You just kind of bumped into each other. And I didn't turn around and say, oh, you know, sorry, as you do, scusa, you know, even when it's not 100% your fault, you still sort of say, excuse me, if you bump into someone. And I didn't do it. 
And I just kept walking and I kind of thought, oh my gosh, I've become Italian because <laughs> that's what Italians do. Not all the time, not all the time. But in the States, if you bumped into someone and you didn't stop and say sorry, like you'd be like, you know, an outcast, well, I feel. <laughs> I wouldn't Maybe not an outcast, but you know, you'd be considered a, a real jerk. True. But we're kind of like that in our cars. Okay, but that's different. Once you're in a car, all bets are off. That's true. Well, when in that moment when you felt Italian, was it a proud moment? Just a little no, bit? No, quite honestly, it wasn't. I kind of felt jaded and I felt, wow, I'm a, I'm like a tough cookie kind of, you know? I'm a tough broad. Yeah. Tough broad. Yeah, I don't necessarily like that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should leave it there. We should definitely leave it there. Let's leave it with you being a okay. tough broad. I okay. like that. It's a good ending. <laughs> and a good topic. I don't know if we actually... Uh, covered it really but it's interesting to think about the values and I would be interested if you end up moving back to the United States someday I'd be interested to see how long it would take you to adapt in the opposite direction if it's so like culturally ingrained in you if you would go right back to being a workaholic we'll American. Have to see. and until next time this is the bittersweet life I'm, I'm Tiffany Sewell. Parks join us again bye visit the donate page on our website thebittersweetlife.net all donations are reserved exclusively for the creation of audio content. Your financial support keeps us strong. Thank you.